Proverbs chapter 4, we'll begin reading at verse 20. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. We're looking at the book of Proverbs as children of God. How does it help us to grow as children of our Heavenly Father? And how does it help us as parents to invest in those children who have been entrusted to us by God? Everybody loves children who are polite. Say please and thank you and excuse me and who are well behaved. When we see children like that, we give the parents a gold star, don't we? Say, ah, good job. The book of Proverbs says that in fact, there's something that brings the parents more joy than a knowledgeable, well-behaved, polite child. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart will be glad. If your heart is wise. If you raise wise children, it says, it brings gladness. And wisdom reaches far deeper than good behavior. It, in fact, reaches deeper than being smart, witty, well-educated. It grows inside. It grows and is nourished deep in the human heart. So we've been looking at the foundations for wisdom, and this is the last of three. The first foundation for wisdom was in Proverbs 4, verse 7. That is, you have to want to be wise. You have to decide that I am going to run this lifelong marathon of growing in wisdom. And not everybody makes that decision. The second foundation we looked at last week was the fear of the Lord. If you're going to run this marathon, that's the first step you have to take. It's the beginning of everything. And today, just the last step, something that is easily forgotten, the third foundation is to know how wisdom takes root. It's not by behavior modification. It's not even by education. It's not even through Sunday school and learning facts about the Bible, but it's by tending hearts. So let's open the book of Proverbs now and notice this in our text, which is going to be focusing on Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. To grow as children of our Heavenly Father, to parent His children, we have to focus on the heart. Because why? Out of the heart are the springs of life. Out of the heart are the issues of life. Heart is sometimes translated with other words. In other words, the same Hebrew word heart is sometimes translated mind because it says in the heart we lay out our plans, we consider and make judgments. Sometimes it really refers to our emotions or the seat of our emotions. But whatever you want to think of it and whatever manifest or manifold ways rather that you think of it, it's the wellspring of life. That's where it begins. Our focus, though, very easily can be on changing behavior instead of changing hearts. Here's a phone call parents will never get from their school. Your kid is doing so well. B 
behavior is stellar. Grades are out of this world, but you know, I'm a little worried about where his heart's at. People don't look at the heart, the attitudes of the heart, as long as the outward is perfect and everything is as it should be. I mean, think about it, parents. Wouldn't you want a child who washed their hands before every meal on their own, and if they had friends over, they told their friends to wash their hands too? You got to wash your hands. Wouldn't you like a child who discussed with brothers and sisters all the rules you had for the house to make sure they all understood what the rules were and they could follow them scrupulously? Wouldn't you like a child who knew all the answers in Sunday school, read the Bible? Well, read the Gospels. I'm describing the Pharisees. And a lot of parents say, wow, that sounds good. I'd love to have a Pharisee in my house. Great kids. Life would be so easy. So we can change the outward behavior But that's not what this verse is saying. Outward behavior is not the focus. Some of you may actually remember the name Eddie Haskell. He's from an old TV show, an old sitcom, but he's become kind of like a meme today. Look him up on YouTube. He was this interesting character, a friend of the Cleaver family who was the focus of this sitcom, but an, what can you say, an oily character. And he always misled everybody into doing what was wrong, and he was always up to no good. But as soon as he saw the mother, something would change. He would say, well, Mrs. Cleaver, what a lovely dress, Mrs. Cleaver. And oh my, doesn't your house look wonderful? And everybody, you could see, would roll their eyes like, oh, Eddie, we know what he's up to. Polite, well-spoken, but in his heart, there was foolishness bound up, and you can't hide it. And that's what Proverbs says. It's not behavior. Proverbs 26, 23. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Like a glaze, shiny, beautiful, colorful, but inside it's the same clay pot. So should we focus on behavior? You know, you can and you'll end up like Eddie Haskell. You'll end up like the Pharisees. And honestly, You might be happy with that. For many people, that would be their goal. Well-behaved, able to answer all the Sunday school questions, well-versed in theological debates, reading heavy books about the Bible, but their hearts are far from God. That was the complaint, in fact, that Jesus made about the Pharisees in Matthew 15, remember? He said, quoting Isaiah, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They knew what to say. They knew how to behave, but their hearts were far from the Lord. So the issue that we have to deal with in living as children before our Heavenly Father or in raising our own children is deeper than behavior. I'm not saying we ignore behavior, but the root is much deeper. So we say, let's appeal to the mind. Let's reason with them. Often you hear, you know what it's going to take is more education. More education will do the trick. So we try to get at their thinking. What's going on in your mind, child? I was listening to a man who said when he was a little boy, sometimes he'd be sitting quietly and his mom would just whack him on the head. And he'd say, Mom, what did I do? And mom would sort of glare at him and say, Nothing, but I know what you were thinking. She might be right, but it's not quite so simple, is it? 
using reasoning, you know, teaching, explaining, giving understanding are all good things, but by themselves they don't reach deep enough. Because foolishness, as chapter 22, verse 15 says, is bound up in the heart. It's not a matter of just the mind. It's not a matter of education. It's in the heart. The heart and what it loves. The heart and what it's loyal to. The heart and what it trusts. The heart and what it believes. In fact, those things that are in the heart govern the process by which reasoning is carried out. Romans 1 makes the very same point. So, let me just give you an example. Increasingly, I'm surprised, increasingly people believe that all that matters in life is nature. You know, the physical world, what I can see, what I can touch, what science can tell me about. That's all that matters and nothing else really exists. Remember decades ago, our friend John Lennon of the Beatles sang about that song in Imagine. Imagine there's no heaven, no hell below us, above us only sky. And he imagined that such a world would be full of peace. That everybody would live together wonderfully and lovingly if we only eliminated God. But where does that lead to? If you really think about that kind of a world, brilliant atheists are honest enough to work out and admit the implications of that. So if you start your reasoning with that kind of a heart, where does it leave? This well and oft-coded atheist, Richard Dawkins, writes about that. He's brilliant, well-educated, well-regarded in terms of his intellect, but he reasons from a commitment which believes in this kind of universe where there's no God, and he writes, what's going to happen? Well, some people are going to get hurt, others are going to get lucky. You won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice There is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Nothing but pitiless indifference. You see, where we begin in the heart will affect our reasoning. If we reject God, Romans 1 says, our reasoning itself is darkened. But God and his word, you notice, focus always on the heart. And I think that's why we sometimes try to avoid the word. I think we sometimes prefer debates. Have you noticed that in your Sunday school classes or in your own study, how so often our mind steers off to theological points, arcane theological points, mysterious theological points, when the sharp edge of the word begins to touch our heart. The issues of life flow from the heart. The springs of life flow out of the heart. That's our text, 423 in Proverbs. And so what that means is the focus of our training, what God does for us, what we do for our children, if we want them to be wise, is the heart. The focus of training is the heart. So we already saw this verse, Proverbs 22, 15, that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It's not just that they don't know, you know, foolishness in the mind, so that if we educate them and teach them enough facts, they'll be okay, but It's in the heart. You have to understand that foolishness in the Bible never means ignorant. It's not referring to someone who's stupid, uneducated. It's not meaning that at all. It's someone who denies God. Psalm 14 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. 
And we have to be careful also, one more explanatory point to be made, that it's not a philosophical atheist, someone who's thought through and said, I'm an atheist, because there's many who would not call themselves atheists, but they live as though God is irrelevant. And that's the kind of foolishness that the Bible talks about. Their lives deny the reality that there's a great creator who made us all and who is therefore over us, who has rights, you might say, over us, to whom we're obligated. They deny, as we saw last time, that everything was made by his wisdom. So really, nothing makes sense apart from him. Ultimately, nature doesn't make sense apart from him. You cannot understand yourself apart from God because he made you. You can't understand your emotions. You can't understand why you feel the way you feel, the desires you have apart from God who made you. But the fool is one who denies God. And this foolishness is in the heart. One prominent manifestation of this is pride. I think if we look into our hearts, if we look into the human heart, we find that Pride is sitting there right in the center of the heart on a big, easy chair with his stinking feet up on the coffee table. (laughs) He's right at home. Pride is in the human heart, and its odor comes in many forms. Maybe I could just give you a few examples of the kinds of things that pride shows. It manifests itself, for example, in 21, 24 in Proverbs. says, the proud and arrogant man, mocker is his name, He behaves with overweening pride. A mocker is someone whose own life is fruitless. If you look at his life, there's nothing much being accomplished, and yet he loves to laugh at others who are trying to actually do things. He's too proud to see the character of his own life. Or look at Proverbs 26, verse 1. You see, the proud are someone who think they have a right to honor. They are convinced that they can lead, they can guide and direct other people. But 26.1 says, Like snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. And of course, one that you've heard many times, Proverbs 16, verse 18. This kind of pride is like an infection. It leads to destruction. It says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So this kind of foolishness, this kind of pride, this kind of pride which doesn't want to listen to anybody or doesn't receive instruction is in the human heart. That's why God's focus is where? The human heart. That's why the word of God primarily is directed to our hearts. So when we want to teach others, when we want to teach our children, the goal is not just strategies for you know, how to use credit cards and how to be wise about the use of money, all those are good. How to do well in school and get grades and get good jobs and how to dress for success, all those are good. But God's focus is a new heart. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, that was the promise in the Old Testament, that was the fulfillment in the New Testament. And it, I have to say it would be a tragedy, it would be a tragedy if we read the book of Proverbs or if you're reading the book of Proverbs as a method of behavior modification, or a method of getting ahead in life. That's not what its goal is. It's aiming at the heart like all of God's word does. So Proverbs 15, 11 says, Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men. And if that is the focus of God, then of course that has to be the focus of us as parents, doesn't it? 
our child's heart. Yeah, but I don't know what's happening in my child's heart. They don't talk to me. They don't reveal what's happening in their heart. And even when they do, I'm not sure I can trust it. And honestly, it's hard to know what's happening in a heart, isn't it? You know what? It's hard to know what's happening in our own hearts. Psalm 19 concludes with these verses. It says, who can know his errors, his own errors? Cleanse me from hidden faults. Yeah, we don't know our own heart. Proverbs 20, verse 9 says, who can say, I have cleansed my heart? We don't know when the job is done. We don't even know when we've confessed everything we ought to confess. We don't know our own heart. So, yeah, it's hard. But, but there are ways to know what's in a heart. In fact, Jesus told us about that. He said, the heart reveals itself by overflowing into life. The heart reveals itself by overflowing into life. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you say is the overflow of your heart. It's a manifestation of what's in the heart. I haven't written these verses down, so I just want to let you know, but Matthew 15 19 says, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. And it really is echoing our text, isn't it? If you look at chapter 4, verse 23 says, watch over your hearts with diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And then it goes on to explain what these things are. For example, devious speech in verse 24, where your eyes look, what you desire in verse 25. Verse 26, the choices you make, the places where you put your feet on the path that you've chosen. All those things are the, as other translations say, the issues of life. And they all flow out of the heart. So we can tell what's going on in the heart by looking at how a life is lived. So if we look at our own lives, we can ask, well, where is my heart? Why am I living the way I'm living? Why am I making the choices I'm making? Where are my children's hearts. What does the character of this life tell me about what's in the heart? And really, we could give more examples from Proverbs, many more from the rest of Scripture. Let me just share a few. We could ask, what's in the heart? Is there a delight in the fear of the Lord? We saw that on Wednesday in Isaiah and in Nehemiah, that God's people find comfort and joy in the fear of the Lord. There's consolation. God is sovereign He's powerful, and I'm in the hands of this great king. What more could I ask? He's our strong tower. We run into it and are safe, as Proverbs 18, verse 10 says. So he's more to be trusted than anybody else. You know, God is a better refuge for my mind, my thinking, my choices in life than a brilliant professor. I can learn from anybody, but my refuge is the Lord God. And parents, how about this? God is a better refuge for me than my parents. Psalm 27, 10, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. That's my comfort. You're willing to teach your kids that? I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. But there's one who loves you far more than I do. Take your refuge in him. What is their refuge? Here's a second one. Who are their closest friends who are my closest friends why do i choose the friends i do proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says he who walks with the wise will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm and so for example we have to ask in proverbs 22 says 
Why do you hang around those who are crooked and twisted? That's in Proverbs 22.5. Why do you hang around those who are crooked and twisted? What does that say about what's going on in my son or my daughter's life? Or in Proverbs 23, 20 and 21, why do you prefer the company of those who drink a lot? Why is that a place where you're comfortable? What's happening in your heart? It's not just kids, of course. It's adults. It's ourselves. We have to ask those questions. Or Proverbs 16, 29, why are you a friend to those who are violent? 16, 29 says, a man of violence entices his neighbors and leads them in a way that is not good. Who do you choose to be your friends? So here's a third one. Oh, do they love peace? Do I love peace? Or am I often the one fanning the flames of strife? Do I love peace? Do I love to make peace wherever I go? Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. Fools always find something to create tension in. And you find this warning in the Old and the New Testament that true wisdom is a lover of peace. Here's a fourth one, self-control. Proverbs 29, verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Self-control. What's happening in the heart when you can't control yourself? What are your priorities? And maybe a fifth one as an example, teachable. Am I teachable? Am I a good listener to others? Am I, as the proverb says in many places, am I anxious to spew out whatever's in my heart or am I anxious to take in the wisdom from others? especially from those who are God's delegated authority. So Proverbs talks about kings or governments. The New Testament talks about the church. And Proverbs over and over talks about parents. Are we listeners to those who God has delegated? In fact, just look at, if your Bibles are open, Proverbs 4, just one page back and one page forward. Just notice how often this book pleads, pleads for people who are reading who are listening, to heed, to take attention, to have open ears. Chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. This is chapter 3, verse 1. Let your heart keep my commandments. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, hear, O sons, the instruction of a father. And then again, verse 10 in chapter 4. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings. Chapter 2. 4, verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Chapter 5, verse 1, my son, give attention to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. And then verse 7 in chapter 5, now then, my sons, listen to me. Listen to me. And of course, you could go on and on and on through this book. Are they listeners? What happens What is happening? What's the heart condition of someone who is not teachable, who can't listen? So all these are windows to the heart, and from the heart flow the springs of life. The heart reveals itself because it flows into every aspect of life. Even things that are hidden deep inside become visible in life. I remember this beautiful lake I saw years ago, Lake Louise, and if you look at it, you see that there's a deep turquoise hue to it. 
And when I first saw it, I thought it was fake, like somebody had put dye in it for the tourists or something. But that's not true. What happens is that the streams and rivers that are feeding that lake come from mountains and from glaciers that are far away, and they carry the minerals from those mountains into the lake and give it that beautiful color. Mountains that I'll never climb, glaciers that are too far away for me to go to, and yet I know what's there because of what I can see in the lake. So, yeah, we can't see what's in the heart. It's distant. No parent can know what's in a child's heart, but it's known by how it affects our life, our living. That's tough. So should parents give up? Here's something that's affecting the way my child is living, and it's something that's so far away, so distant, that I can't touch it. No, in fact, what God is doing here is giving us wisdom as parents. You see, you're also growing as parents. This is your first time through. I don't know if you recognize that. I know you might have a lot of kids, but really it's your first time having a lot of kids. I mean, every kid is new. Every kid is different. And so God needs to teach you as a parent. He's growing us in wisdom. He's showing us how to walk as parents. And so really, chapter 4, verse 12 of Proverbs is for us also. Hear, my son, hear, parents, and accept my sayings. Then verse 12 says, when you walk... Your steps will not be impeded, and if you run, you will not stumble. So it's saying this wisdom also helps us in raising our children. And when we do so, we won't stumble. So this is the agenda for the parents. That's what this is doing. It's not to discourage us that, ah, give up. What's happening in your child's life is beyond your reach. No, it's laying out the agenda for our parents, not becoming tyrants. My child, rather, is choosing the wrong friends. Either I can give up, or I have to clamp down harder. I have to make all those choices. Of course, as they get older, those choices become more and more impossible to make. When they're younger, you have to make some of those choices. But at what point do you recognize that this is really an issue of the heart? Because it reveals what we need to pray about, what we need to probe more deeply about. We find out what's drawing the child there. What does it say about my child's heart? It says, this is where I have to focus my training, you see. God is saying, this is where you focus your training. I don't know if you ever had to work on teaching your children the times tables, you know. One times two is easy, two times two is easy. Somehow the sevens and eights gets hard, doesn't it? It's a little more complicated. The patterns aren't quite as easy. So what happens if your child's got them all? She's memorized all the times tables but is having trouble with the sevens. What do you do? You focus on the sevens. That's where your attention is given. In the same place when we see, by God's grace, what's happening in a child's heart, that's what we focus on. That's where our prayers are focused. That's where our training. And so this is a great fear. And it's a great challenge for parents. How can I change my child's heart? And it's not all up to us. We have to remember that there's a great friend, and this friend knows how to change human hearts. It's his specialty. So Scripture says, In Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. He can change the human heart. And we are his agents. We're his helpers. We have to understand that. It's not all up to us. And that was the great gospel promise that Jesus made. Remember the promise in the Old Testament that when the new covenant came, the heart of stone would be replaced with a heart of flesh. It was a heart change. In John chapter 7, 
Jesus made this promise, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John adds, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit who would be given to us. And we can see that in a way he's paraphrasing our text, isn't it? That what would flow out of our heart now would be the character and the life of the Holy Spirit affecting every aspect of how we live, every choice we make. There is a heart changer, and we have to rely on him as parents. And he asks us to be his servants. You know, that's true with our relationship with one another as Christians also. We have to listen to what God is saying to the heart. When you hear messages from this pulpit, you have to say, what is God saying to my heart? What does he want me to change? I don't just want a solution to a puzzle or a text that I've never understood or a theological point. I want to know what is God saying to my heart. And then we can help one another. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you what? Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing. Those are words that are aimed at the heart where wisdom should reside. So the bottom line is this. Parents, put your eyes where God's eyes are, on your children's hearts. Proverbs 2, 1 through 3 says, My son, make your ear attentive to wisdom and then incline your heart to understanding. That's the goal of parenting, a heart that's filled with wisdom. So may God give all of us, all of us, his children, grace to have wise hearts and therefore reap blessings in life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and trust you and acknowledge that you and you alone are the one who can make us wise inwardly. You alone can give us hearts which are transformed, hearts of flesh, living hearts, hearts that are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And we pray that first and foremost for ourselves. We pray that for our parents, Lord, I know children here are praying for their parents that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And parents are praying for their children that the young people and the small children would have hearts inclined to wisdom who love you and love your word. That's our prayer, Lord. Work in us and please be relentless in teaching us to be wise children in this foolish world. In your name, amen. We hear about FaceTime, you know, the time you can spend in the presence of someone who's powerful or someone who can influence your life, and we covet that FaceTime. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, seek my face, God says, and then the psalmist says, my heart replies, your face, Lord, do I seek. And Christ is wisdom incarnate. He is the God who made heaven and earth and made us with all our desires and all that we are body, mind, and soul. So my prayer for you is that God would give you hearts to seek the face of Jesus all through this week and learn wisdom there. Amen.